Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Well, once again, today, it's just Chuck. Well, if Kevin's going to be lame and hang out in Mexico, partying it up with uh, senoritas and margaritas and whatever it is that they do there, then I guess just that's one more shipment of the tack pack that ends up in my uh, dresser drawer, right? So, I don't know. Today, we're going to talk... 80% arms or ghost guns. Now, everybody has, you know, you hear politicians and they talk about ghost guns and, and different things. Well, the reason is, is because they truly are a, a symbol of freedom in a way. And I think why that is, is because, uh, it's the last level of kind of independence where you can kind of make it on your own. The government doesn't have a registry of it. They're not tracking. And it's something that in your mind, they're not going to come and take away. Um, because it, it's, you know, it, it's hidden from them. Now, the cool thing is like everybody hears, oh, ghost gun and, and all these things. And the thing is in most states, they're completely legal. Um, what we're talking about uh, in New Jersey, not legal. One of the crappier states of the uh, the union there. Uh, California, the uh, it's weird. You can make them, but you have to put a serial number on them, which is kind of weird because then it kind of defeats the purpose but I guess you're able to manufacture your own gun. Now, according to the ATF, you can manufacture your own gun in the United States. You just uh, cannot sell your own gun. 
And if you do want to sell a gun that you manufacture, well, I think you get into trouble there. You can't do that anyway. I was going to say you could get it serialized and everything like that. But in order to manufacture arms, you do need a uh, federal license as far as for sale. So anyway, with that said, um, basically what an 80% gun is, is you end up buying an 80 cent, 80% completed lower block of aluminum that is a lower receiver to several different types of guns, depending what you want to build. And then you basically get a jig, which is a little frame that goes around it and has set places where you're supposed to drill holes and, you know, you kind of machine it out. Now, machining it out sounds horrible and crazy and involved. Um, typically what you'd use is like a router, um, is, is how I do it. Um, most of the jig companies recommend that way and they'll give you a router bit. So basically you'll drill a hole through the center block and then you slowly use a drill bit to, you know, work your way from side to side and create a bigger opening usually for the trigger assembly and that kind of thing. Somehow a while back, the ATF decided that 80% finished was what constituted being a gun or not being a gun. It's weird. Even if you start to finish it yourself and make it, you know, you you drill the first hole and it becomes 83% finished or whatever it is, then technically that's considered a gun by the ATF. So you just have to kind of be aware of that, not that it really matters. Um, Just something to think about. Now, at first, there were companies like Daytona Tactical and a couple of other ones out there that were making jigs and, and had a way to do it. A lot of it relied on your skill to kind of have a really nice drill press where your holes would be nice and straight and things would go in. Um, Companies are doing a better job now, uh, places like 80% arms, where if you buy the jig, it really, they, they have it very well set up where you can, you know, do nice straight holes and, and do things with maybe a slightly lower skill level. So, you know, that's a nice thing. Uh, Being able to get the trigger pin holes just right. um, I've had a little trouble sometimes drilling out in the back where your selector goes, getting that hole lined up perfect or, you know, moving smoothly. Those kind of things are a little tricky, but they're so much easier now that the companies are kind of coming along. Um, The idea is you can order create and manufacture a gun and it's completely legal and it's also something that you know you're not on some list at your local gun store of guys in the logbook that you know the government's going to come pound on your door now does that mean they're not going to go to 80 percent arms and say yeah give us your registry of everybody who's ever made you know bought a gun blank from you and Come looking, well, I guess, you know, that's entirely possible. Um, That's the whole thing is it kind of, you know, it is what it is. But it's one more level, I guess, of protection that you maybe have. I actually enjoy it for 
the satisfaction of creating your own gun, um, making your own thing. Like once I, I first got into this, I started ordering gun parts. Um, here in New York, we have this weird law where we came up with, you know, nobody's allowed to have an AR-15. They're scary assault weapons. But what's weird is I can go into my gun store and I can buy a lower, which is the part with the serial number, which is what the government defines as a gun. Um, and I can order one and they'll, you know, hand it over. Actually, my gun store has lots of them sitting on the shelf. And as long as I don't put it together in a way that defies the law, it's completely legal for me to own. Now, what's weird is I can also go into the same gun store and buy every single part to make 100% AR-15 the way they normally are. I can buy every part and I just am, and I can even kind of put it all together um, if you guys have ever put together an AR-15, it separates with two, they call them takedown pins that basically s separate the part with the stock, the trigger, and where the magazine attaches. And then you have the upper half, which is the barrel, the, you know, the hand grip, and, you know, they call it the upper receiver, but, you know, it holds the bolt and the charging handle. Those are those two parts are held together with just two pins that you could push with your finger and pop out and they completely separate the gun. Well, my understanding is as long as those two parts are separated, then the bottom half is not a gun. Now, my gun store will tell you if I kept them in the same bag, like together, one sitting on top of each other, that it would be a gray area in court that they would imply, well, I think you're going to put those two together and whatever. But as long as they're kind of kept a little bit separate, it's completely legal. And by the letter of the law, it's completely legal. So when I first discovered these and New York came out with that SAFE Act and I was like, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this and uh, put together my own uh, guns and, and do do my own stuff. So, well, one of the cool things that, that saved me was that I actually registered some guns here in New York when, when the SAFE Act came along. And so I have like registered lower, so I'm allowed to own some assault weapons in New York, which is kind of neat. Now, those guns that are registered, obviously, you know, when... Cuomo, the dictator there, decides that he wants to come kicking in my door. I have to turn those over. Well, one, you have to realize, technically, I can pull all my triggers out, take the stock off, take the foregrip off, or the hand grip off, and the forend stuff, all that, the upper, all apart, completely separated. All I have to turn in is that lower. That is what the assault weapon is. Um... Now, if somebody were to have a bunch of 80% lowers that they manufactured, well, I'm sure if the day came when somehow that part becomes illegal, they would come looking for those. But in theory, they wouldn't know that I have them. That's the whole logic behind all this. The cool thing is I'm able to also try out all the upper receivers and you know barrels and different combinations that I put together I'm able to put it all together on my registered lower 
take that to the gun range, test it out, sight it in, set it all up exactly the way I want it, and it still is a completely legal thing for me to do. Then I can come home and put that with my lowers that are all together, and I'll just have to assume that my skilled expertise allows, you know, for them to work properly. Um, so that's kind of what I got on that, but there's a lot of neat things. So initially with the manufacturing, I was really kind of worried on how I would be able to, uh, drill them out. Cause it's a lot harder to drill through the, you know, block of aluminum than you probably ever imagined. Um, at first I went out and I bought one of those, you know, I was worried about, like I said, making those straight drill holes and lining things up from side to side. So I go to Harbor Freight and I buy one of those crappy, uh, drill presses. What a piece of garbage. And this thing just had no power. But the problem was then I was like, well, screw this. And I go to my hand drill and then doing it by hand, I was unable to really line it up and do straight drill holes and do a nice job to really, you know, match things up. That's when I discovered the 80% arms jig. And I was like, well, you know, everybody speaks really highly of this company. And let me check it out and see what I can come up with. When I did it, um, they they actually sell you some drill bits and, and a routing bit that you're going to do the mill work with. And the routing bit is spectacular. Worked out great. The drill bit also went a little slow and I was hating it, but I noticed that, uh, their jig, when you buy the additional, they have like hand drill alignment, um, brackets that you can put onto it. And they allowed where I could use my hand drill still went pretty slow where you're talking about 10 or 15 minutes even to drill through before you could start routing. And then it took me probably 40 minutes to route out the interior of the gun. Um, I then was like, you know, screw this, and went, uh, went up to Lowe's, and I'd say I bought like a $6 bit, and I just buy a brand new bit every single lower I do, and I just zip through, and I don't have to worry about, you know, time, and I would say, you know, the, the speed bits that I was buying at Lowe's for like 6 bucks. Um, I'm getting through in probably three minutes. Um, I'm sure if you're willing to go seven minutes or eight minutes the second time, you could use the same bit again. For me, my time is worth a lot of money, I guess. I don't know. I like to go out and make money and I don't know. I, I don't want to just sit there like an idiot. So I'm happy to buy, you know, new drill bits. You, you do what you got to do. Milk it as far as you want. Um, I was able to build we'll say in excess of five lowers with the same router bit. And I don't see any signs of it slowing down. I do think how fast you mill the inside of the uh, gun will definitely determine how fast that bit dies. But, um, that seems like the only thing I would buy, you know, through their kit and, and do again. But, I got to say, once I got into, you know, I bought a book on how to put together an AR-15 and once I started doing all the pieces and now, you know, I'll take apart a bolt and clean every part of it and, um, you know, changing barrels isn't really a big thing anymore and you start to understand the gas block and the gas 
gas feeder tube and that kind of stuff. And you're like, or, yeah, wrong word there. But anyway, you start to understand how they all work and you understand the process and you get to really know your gun. And that's a cool thing. You know, that way when a failure happens or, you know, when I put together different ones, I'll see, oh, you know, this one's giving me light primer strikes or now that I use different triggers, I find out that if a trigger isn't just set up just right, sometimes you can have a little, you know, headache will come with that. And, you know, that kind of thing. These are all really cool ways to understand, you know, what's, uh, how it operates, where failures come from. And it just makes you proficient with your weapon, but it also teaches you how to take care of your weapon and understand it. Um, I will say it is kind of the addictive thing where you're like, oh, but what if I try this? Or what if I build a gun with this? Or, you know, one of my latest excitement, um, one of our, our guys from the, uh, the prepping badass group, you know, had pointed, steered me into, uh, Adam's arms. And I don't know if you guys know the difference between, uh, an AK, they always say like an AK-47 is, is so reliable and, and they're the greatest things. And one of the big differences between an M16 or an AR-15 and an AK-47 is that one is piston driven driven, and one has a gas tube. And the idea is with a gas tube, when you shoot, it blows gas that comes up through the tube and comes back and pushes the bolt back, basically back into the stock, almost, and then, you know, ejects the cartridge and loads up a new one. Well, an AK-47 is piston-driven, which means that the explosion basically happens out over the barrel, the gas from, you know, when you shoot, and it ends up, um, you know, blowing all that dirty carbon and all that crap kind of outside the gun instead of back into the trigger and, you know, the bolt slide and all that. So one of the cool things, there's a company called Adams Arms that uh, make a uh, piston system that you can throw into an AR-15. They also sell complete AR-15s with that. Um, I have seen uh, Stag Arms used to make a piston-driven uh, one, but that's something new that I'm looking into and different things. And my point is not that that's something you need to run out and get, but it's something that you get to experiment with and see what works. Find out what's really cool, why, you know, different things are, are worth, you know, exploring. And you get to try out the different triggers, you know, whether I like a two-stage trigger or, you know, stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, it's fun for me. I like to fix things. I like to understand completely how they work. Um, and basically the options are limitless. You know, you can always take it in, you know, I know you guys have heard me talk about the Franklin binary triggers and they were kind of a pain in the ass and they're really delicate and hard to work. But the way the idea, they call it a binary trigger because when you shoot them, if you pull the trigger, it fires around. And then if you let go of the trigger, it fires around. So it basically makes you twice as fast at, you know, multiple shots. I guess your first shot is always kind of the same reaction speed, but your follow-up is, you know, if you're doing kind of a rapid fire thing. Now, those are set up to work where you have like the safe, the semi, 
and the and then the like full auto selector idea would be the binary position. Um, you know, and some guys mock it. Oh well, you know, it's not the same thing, but it's just fun and neat and you know, another thing you can try. Um and that's my whole point is the more you get into like the building and the other end of it, you learn to really understand the weapon. Then you can really, you know, kind of help develop your shooting, but also your care and maintenance. Um, you understand how the gun's going to react, how it does things, why, why different things with ballistic stuff matters and, you know, stuff like that. So it's kind of neat, something worth exploring and, and getting into. Um, I also enjoy, you know, you have different stocks, different, you know, barrels, different things you can do, different lengths, different twist rates, all that stuff. But I, mean, I don't know if that's maybe a little off topic. I don't want to rattle you guys too much. I just know that you can buy like either a complete kit that goes with it. So you can buy the stock, the charging handle, the bolt, trigger, all this stuff, the barrel as a separate thing. Or you could piece it together and start to understand like, hey, you know, I love like for me, all right, this last one that, that I'm putting together, I did the piston system with a binary trigger. So I thought, man, how cool is it if I have the piston, which is, you know, just making it work so nice up top and, you know, extracting and ejecting quick and efficient and, you know, kind of a mechanical motion rather than the gas, even though it's still the gas up front, you know, over the barrel. But then with the binary trigger, trigger so I have the speed, um, I went with a uh, Sons of Liberty Gunworks barrel and foregrip. The foregrip just feels nice. It's solid. Um, you don't get any movement, which is a really nice thing. Um, I wanted a barrel that could kind of handle the rapid fire and a lot of stuff going through it. Uh, I like uh, like Hogue grips for the you know for the handle. It's a little more rubbery and rather than the hard plastic. But the idea is you could put something together once you start getting into building guns and and getting excited about it. You can uh, put together the one that's perfect for you. Or maybe somebody comes in and is like, oh, but you know, this is perfect for me because I want one with, uh, you know, you can even have like left-handed ejection, you know, for the left-handed guy. Uh, you have different stuff so you can set up a gun just to work right for you. And that's pretty cool. But again, back to the 80% idea, it's really awesome to be able to, you know, really mill something and manufacture it and make it your own thing. Now, like I was saying, there's a bunch of companies that are out to, or states that are out to get you and kind of limit your options and what you can own and what you can do. And I just feel like it's another stand for freedom. Um, it's just one more level of, hey, I'm an individual and this is my rights and I'm in control. You know, I decide what's available to me and what's right um, instead of the government deciding, you know, what's right for you. It's, you know, they, they make the laws, but I find a way to work into the laws. There's another company, I was talking to somebody about this and uh, you can get Glocks that are... Uh, you know, also machined and milled, and you would buy a different jig for that. And I just found a website called uh, Ghost Guns that I have no idea if they're 
really that good, their jigs or anything, but they also have 80% um, jigs for AK-47s. So maybe if you're not an AR guy and you just love the reliability of the AK or, you know, you just think it's cool that the whole world, that's what they're using, whatever. Um, maybe 7.62 is your thing. You're like, you know, the 5.56 is a lame bullet. They also have jigs for uh, 308 for the ARs for, you know, so an AR-10. You have options there. You really, it's kind of limitless and you can do so many different things that are, you know, going to expand your opportunities, your options. Just makes it fun. Um, There's another company, uh, Taylor's Firearms, that'll do, if you'd buy like the old uh, black powder revolvers, um, like, uh, I don't know, like the old Dragoon revolver from Uberti. Um, they had like the Navy, uh, 19, you know, or the Navy, uh, 1851, that kind of thing. Uh, the 1858 Remingtons, 1860, the old hardcore revolvers, right? In like 44 caliber or that kind of thing. The black powder, you can buy cylinder replacements for those that end up, you know, they'll take your 44 and make it so that it shoots 45 LC. So there's still regular, you know, rounds that you can buy, uh, you know, uh, yeah, firing pin, that kind of thing, you know, that, that'll shoot out regular. Now, these cylinders, as far as reloading it, you basically pull the cylinder out to reload. So they're not that awesome, but still, you're getting a handgun that you bought without a uh, FFL and that kind of thing. Now, at first you're like, oh, well, you know, I really don't like this because I don't like the idea that felons can go out and and put together a gun, you know, whatever. But the bottom line, this is why I kind of scoff at that, is that it's work. Um, you know, to drill out an 80% gun, it's work. Uh, you need to, uh, end up, um, you know, committing four or five hours and, you know, probably 400 bucks minimum to get into a complete rifle. And well, actually if you're buying the jig and everything, probably five, 600 minimum. And so you're spending a significant amount of cash, you know, if you're doing from the ground up to completely put together a gun. Well, the idea is, that a criminal can go spend five, six hundred bucks and buy a gun on the street and it'll be all together and right and they don't have to put the time. Criminals are lazy. That's why they're criminals. That's kind of how it works. Um, sometimes they're evil, but a lot of times they're just people who want their own shit and they're kind of just fucked up. I don't know. Forget me on that. I don't know. I'm ranting. But uh, same thing, like the cylinder revolver. Yeah, nobody wants a freaking sick shot that they got to pull out the cylinder and reload every time that uh, in the middle of a gun battle when they can spend the same thousand bucks and go buy one, you know, on the street corner that's going to be, you know, a decent gun that's semi-automatic and going to load and whatever. So, I don't know. To me, the point is ridiculous. Either people are going to choose to break the law or they choose not to break the law. You either follow the laws I mean, that's the thing is somebody who's putting it all together like me, I'm jumping through hoops in order to stay inside the law. And that's, you know, I mean, I think that's what you see here is 
it's really a hobby for people who love freedom but are still trying to play the game you know you're trying to conform with the rules but i also think that time is coming when people are gonna have to make hard choices and i think that you should do everything you can as a prepper a survivalist to take care of freedom to ensure that you're going to be able to provide for your family you know we're seeing it now in venezuela and all this craziness um there's a lot of that. You got to be able to take care of your family. It's your responsibility. And I would like to see you do that not from jail. Um, I'd like to see you do that from a legal standpoint as long as we can do it. And you conform and you play the game, you know. So when New York makes it hard, I say, all right, let's find another way. How can I get around this? How can I follow the law and yet still be able to ensure the safety of my family. And I think 80% ghost guns, that kind of thing, it's really not that hard to do. It's something you can get into and, you know, you buy new drill bits and you just go through it. I think patience is the key and you kind of get through it. It's not nearly as bad as it used to be. And if you haven't tried it in the last three or four years, I'd say maybe you'll take another look because it's not a bad thing and it's really cool to be able to make for yourself and make your own thing. So I actually know you guys might be like, well, you know, I really wish Kevin was here. It's so sad just hearing Chuck's boring voice. So I do have a treat for you. Our boy uh, Phil from the UK is back and uh, he's going to give you a little uh, British perspective on... uh, on freedom and guns so see what you think and i'll come back around is the government trying to take our guns not currently no let me rephrase the question is the government trying to take away our rights to shoot those guns the answer is yes in the last week here in the uk they have revoked the general licenses to hunt the 16 species of pests or corvids over here in the uk glo4 glo5 and glo6 now i'll give you a very brief quick description of these general licenses and they are to be used they are have to be applied for and they are granted for these uses glo5 to kill or take certain species of wild birds to prevent serious damage or disease that's the first one glo5 to kill or take certain species of wild birds to preserve public health or public safety. GLO6, to kill or take certain species of wild birds to conserve wild birds or flora or fauna. So what does this mean? What, what, what have they done? Well, they've taken away pest control, basically, is, is what they've done. In one foul swoop, excuse the pun, they have taken away pest control here in the UK. Yes, you did hear that right. Farmers who grow crops, agriculture, it is decimated by wood pigeons. On, a, on a, an average basis, 500 UK pounds is lost if wood pigeons and as such other critters, basically, are not kept in control. I live in a countryside. I have very many people that I know who are, their their whole life is agriculture. They hire people, they shoot themselves, but they can't shoot enough. 
they they have not got the time and the effort and the ammunition to continually shoot these pigeons. There is over 12 million wood pigeons here in the UK. And while that might not sound a great a, a lot, bear in mind how big the UK is. Yeah? Just just bear that in mind. And that's an, an estimate. I believe a couple of years ago it was 9 million. It's now 12 million. So you can see the growing trend. Flying rabbits, basically. Um, they eat everything. They're not fussy, they just eat everything. Now, how does this affect gun ownership? Well, my opinion is this. This is the softly, softly approach, because you are currently allowed to own a rifle within certain situations, using it at clubs, at shooting ranges, etc. And you are allowed to use a shotgun um, for shooting, game, etc. Again, with certain rules and legislations and um, caveats built into it to control these pests and also air guns. Now, as much as people want to think that it's the crazy people that own the guns here in the UK, it's generally not. If you've got a license to own a gun, the chances are you're not going to go down and rob a bank with a sawn off shotgun are you? Because you've got a licence. The gun is registered. It, 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 it's pure stupidity. Now, what has this, the revoking of the licences brought in? Obviously, I've told you about the pest control, the disease in the country, in the countryside as well as the city. The disease is a big problem. Um, this is my thoughts on this. If, pe- if the government was to wake up tomorrow morning and say, as of tomorrow morning, you are no longer allowed to own any kind of firearm. The FAC licences have been revoked. Please hand all your weapons into the local police station. There would be mass uproar. Mass uproar from the people who own guns. That's not a good situation for them, is it? Now, what would be the best way of making this happen voluntarily? Think about it. The best way would be to, to keep owning a gun completely lawful. You're absolutely allowed to own a gun. But you're not allowed to shoot it. Hmm. So everybody with a gun can still own a gun legally. They say, yep, yeah, that's no problem at all. But you're not allowed to, any longer allowed to shoot it. How many people are going to sit there paying their licence fees every year with... 10 grand, 20 grand's worth of firearms in their house that they can't use. They're not. They're going to sell it, they're going to barter it, they're going to swap it, they're going to hand it in, they're going to get rid of them. And from that point on, gunsmiths, any gun shops, the whole ecology of the gun culture here, the hunting culture here, will be in decline because there won't be any need for it. If there is no people buying guns, gun shops will no longer be available. If gun shops are no longer available, guns are no longer available. Do you see where this is going here? Can you read between the lines? I can. I see what's happening. It's a conspiracy. It's the reptilians. So, 
<laughs> fucking well could be, I don't know. Um, what I do know is this. This is, in my opinion, a softly, softly approach to getting rid of any kind of firearm ownership here in the UK. If you're no longer allowed to use it, then most people will give up because they're weak-minded people and they will no longer own a gun. If nobody owns a gun, if there's... Let's, for instance, and these are just out of the blue figures, if there's, t- if there's a million people here in the UK that own a shotgun, if it's illegal to make illegal to use that shotgun tomorrow by the end of this year there'd probably be i don't know five thousand people who own a shotgun rather than a million it's a lot easier to say to those 500 people sorry but gun ownership is now banned than it is the million isn't it it's much easier to deal with a small minority of people than it is to deal with a big majority of people and that's what they're doing here Bigwigs, we're on to you. I can see what's happening. You'll never take the badass out of me. Well, shit, with people like Phil out there, I mean, come on, how do I, where do I go from there? But that's the thing is, you know, they keep taking steps and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And, you know, Eventually, you know, like he said, they they stop you from spending monies. They close down or spending your money. They close down gun stores because, you know, Remington. Oh, we should go after them because somebody used a Remington gun. You don't go after Ford when somebody crashes their car and hits somebody because it's their own problem. They're driving it or they're, you know, crazy. But gun owners are just a smaller percentage. And if we go after, you know, the manufacturer of guns, you got jackasses like Bloomberg out there hunting down the NRA and trying to bankrupt them with nonsense lawsuits. You know, when you have all these people out to get you, freedom is always under attack. It's something we need to defend. You are responsible for freedom. You know, it has to be defended. It has to be guarded. You have to be vigilant as a human being and you need to stand up for what's right. And the longer the government thinks that you're out there and that there's people who will stand up to them, it's going to keep them from overreach. Now, I know we seem to be getting overwhelmed and it, it feels like, you know, the government's taking more and more control, but that's all the more reason you need to keep them worried about you. You know, that's why the Second Amendment exists, is to keep your government worried about you, to make them say, hey, you know, I can't just go in and take whatever I want from the people because the people have rights. And the way we defend our rights is with freedom and with guns. So with that, stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.